1: America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast. It is baseball and making money from the dog days of summer through the October Classic. Greg faces Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now here is GP. A tremendous Sunday
2: to one and all. Greg Peterson broadcasting from the Azunia Tequila Studios out here in beautiful Las Vegas. For another tremendous edition of MLB Overtime Betting, we've got a great show for you. It's Jeff Nadeau, a.k.a. the big man on campus, wonderful handicapper. He is going to be joining me in the second segment. In the final segment, I give you a side and total on every game on the Las Vegas betting board and a little something I like to call touch them all. Now note, with the recap that I'm going to be doing in the first segment, there are a couple games that have yet to go final. I actually decided that I would meet up some of you guys in downtown Las Vegas. I always love being able to interact with listeners and everything like that. So always happy to meet up with you whenever you're in Vegas. I figured that this would be a little bit of something fun. So my apologies if I'm not able to give you absolutely everything trend-wise, but we did get one question into the Twitter mailbag. So let's dive into that to start things off.
1: So you have questions and Greg may or may not have any insight into them, but let's dive into the Twitter mailbag. Nick Mengi, who goes
2: by the Twitter handle Mayhem asked at and Scorey One, hey Greg, how much are non-pitcher superstars worth to ML odds, which stands for Money Line, that doesn't stand for milk and licorice or anything like that. Say a Mike Trout or a Christian Yelich are sitting. Without Yelich, the Brewers' offense is completely different. It actually would surprise you. The Brewers have a winning record so far this year without Christian Yelich. And what I noticed is that when he was out, I believe it was on Thursday against the Reds because they had Luis Castillo going and then it was the Brewers going up against him in that matchup. The Brewers were actually the team that got a little bit of steam in that one. I think that that might have been a little bit assumed that Yelich was out. I remember the first time he was out this year, it made about a 25 difference to the line and the biggest difference of any player is Mike Trout. I still remember there was a game last year against the Cleveland Indians in which he was announced out. Line moved by literally 60 cents. That is about your peak right there. I know that when Javi Baez was out against the Philadelphia Phillies about a week ago, that was about a 20 cent move to the line. So a lot of these guys, I would say your superstars can sometimes be worth 20 to 25 cents. But even a guy like a J.D. Martinez who was playing for the Boston Red Sox, Line pretty much did not move at all when he was announced out for the Boston Red Sox. We saw the same with George Springer when he was out for a couple of days against the White Sox. Now, I think that that was the public just betting on the Astros anyway. And we know that George Springer right now, arguably a top five player in the league. I think that he should win the AL MVP if it ended right now. So, it all depends on the situation. There are some guys that... They just don't have a lot around them. Like if Josh Bell were to be ruled out for the Pittsburgh Pirates, I think it might make a little bit more of an impact than say Mookie Betts for the Boston Red Sox or something like that. So it all depends on the situation. The absolute max is whenever Mike Trout is out, that could be up to 50 cents. And like I said, there was that 60 cent situation that I was talking about last year. Both your superstars, I would say plan on a little bit more like 20 to 25 if it is a big time player. So always happy to answer that. Thank you so much for tweeting in that question. Now let's take a little bit of a look back at yes, Find some trends from it and just become better handicappers
1: in general. What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out. Things
2: got started in a bang out there in Kansas City as the New York Yankees were able to take the first game of a doubleheader against the Kansas City Royals by a count of 7-3. to three. Jay Happ seems to be getting a little bit better for the New York Yankees, though he did have one little bit of a hiccup as being able to get a home run in the 6th inning for the Kansas City Royals was Whit Merrifield. That was his 7th home run of the year, but all in all, the Yankees got some pretty good pitching in this one from Happ. He winds up going 6 innings. He gave up that 1 home run, but he did have 10 strikeouts, The so 3 runs they he gave up were all earned, and then you had Luis Sessa and Adam Montevino. Pitched three very good innings out of the bullpen for the New York Yankees. And in this first game, Luke Voigt was able to hit his 13th finger of the year. It's for the Kansas City Royals. Jacob Junis, a decent start in this one. Six innings pitch. He gives up three runs, all of which were earned. 5-5-8 ERA now. But Sean Barlow is becoming an untrustworthy guy out there in the Kansas City Royals bullpen. He was the reason they lost this game. He went one and a third innings. He gives up four runs, all of which were earned, including that Voigt home run. So that was the issue there. And then in Game 2... I think that we really need to make this something where it's Jorge Lopez day as he got the start for the Kansas City Royals and the bullpen from there wound up doing decent. As I do this game, it is in the top of the ninth and the Yankees have a 6-4 lead, but one Jorge Lopez got completely blown up. He winds up going one inning, giving up Five runs, all of which were earned. He made it to the second inning and did not record an out there in the second inning. I will say, to the Royals' credit, at this point, they've covered seven innings that have given up one run that was given up by Glenn Sparkman, so good on them. And in this game, the Royals have been able to battle back a little bit with guys like Adalberto Mondesi and company hitting some RBI, but the Yankees didn't even do this with a home run. They were just playing a whole lot of small ball, and they essentially went with a wholesale approach in this one with Chance Adams winding up getting four innings. He doesn't necessarily look like a trustworthy guy, though, because he did give up three runs in those four innings but from there Tommy Kamley, Jonathan Holder and Zach Britton have all given scoreless innings from there. So I thought that that was a very interesting approach by the New York Yankees. The Minnesota Twins just continue to pound the Chicago White Sox 8-1 the final in this one. The Minnesota Twins had just one home run in this one. I hear Adrianza is fourth of the year but this is still a team that's on pace for two home runs per game and are on pace to break the record by nearly 60 home runs, the one that was set by the Yankees last year. And oh by the way, if you've been betting the Twins for $100 in every game that they played this year. You're up nearly $1,400. By far the most profitable team out there in the big leagues. And Kyle Gibson, a profitable pitcher as well. He's now 5-2. and two. He gives up just one run in seven innings. That one run was a solo shot that was supplied by Jose Abreu, who's 13th of the year. He's been doing well, but we've got to be continuing to fade a guy with a wonderful name. Manuel Benuelos. Apparently he likes to go by many... Benuelos, but I like Manuel a little bit more. Okay, okay, I'll stop. I'm sorry, but he gives up five runs in four innings, and then from there, the bullpen wasn't necessarily too bad, but there is right now one guy that you can't trust out there in the White Sox bullpen. That is Kelvin Herrera. He gives up three runs in two thirds of an inning. Best set, the White Sox bullpen, I will say, all in all, has been pretty good. A team with a pretty good bullpen as well. The Cincinnati Reds was not able to get the job done against the Chicago Cubs as the Cubs get an eight to six win in this one. For the Cubs, Jason Hayward, it is seventh home run of the year. That was off of Tyler Molly. And then Addison Russell wound up going deep off of Molly as well, his second of the year. And then Tyler Molly gave up another home run to Albert Amora Jr., that was his sixth. It was not a good day for Molly as he goes five innings, giving up six runs, all of which were earned. But he actually does not take the loss in this one because the Cincinnati Reds were able to somehow, someway, get to U Darvish in the eighth inning. Why Joe Madden kept U Darvish into the eighth inning, I have no idea, as Darvish finishes up with a line of seven innings pitch, giving up 12 hits, six runs, all of which were earned. And then from there, the bullpen of the Cubs, which has been much improved so far this year, was able to hold down the job and they get the job done. But Darvish gives up three home runs. Those were supplied by Tucker Barnard, his fifth of the year. Dan Diedrich his 13th and Yasiel Puig, his ninth. Puig seems to be picking things up, but the man that wound up taking the loss out there for the Cincinnati Reds, Jared Hughes, he winds up going just a third of an inning. He gave up two runs. So the Reds bullpen still solid and the Chicago Cubs still seem to have a better bullpen, but that was just a situation that things were a little bit unfortunate there for the Reds. Things were very unfortunate for the pitching of the Toronto Blue Jays in general as the San Diego Padres are able to get Two touchdowns with the two-point conversions and a field goal as they knock off the Blue Jays by a count of an 18-4. Edwin Jackson might not be seeing a whole lot more starts as he gives up seven runs, all of which were earned in four innings, giving up three home runs in the process. Sam Gaviglio, who had been so trustworthy out there in the bullpen of the Blue Jays, he completely jacked up his ERA. In two-thirds of an inning, he gives up three home runs, five runs, all of which were earned. Panone gives up three runs in one inning of relief. Derek Law gives up two runs in an inning. Zach Roskup, who was recently acquired, gives up two runs, only one of which was earned as it was just so bad for the Toronto Blue Jays that they wound up having their backup catcher throw an inning in the game, Luke Molly, and he actually only gave up one hit and didn't give up a run. So good on him. Brother San Diego Padres, Cal Quantrill gets his first career win. Six innings pitch, he gives up three runs, all of which were earned. Looks like a decent pitcher. He had lost his first three starts. He now has a 5-1-4 ERA, but he seems to be finding himself. He did give up two home runs as for the Toronto Blue Jays, Justin smoked one yard for his ninth of the year and Lords Garcia, his second of the year. That's big because Lords Garcia had zero home runs as of like three days ago but here's a list of home runs for the San Diego Padres. Ian Kinsler is sixth. Eric Cosmer is eighth. Will Myers, his eighth and ninth of the year. Austin Hedges is sixth of the year and then Hunter Renfro went deep twice for his 13th and 14th of the year. This is a San Diego Padres team that has quite a bit of bop in the bat and they seem to be really putting it together on offense. The Arizona Diamondbacks also putting it together on offense. They now have 28 runs in their past two games. They knock off the San Francisco Giants by a count of 10 to four. It was Taylor Clark who had a decent start in this one. Nothing great, nothing awful. Six and a third innings. He gives up three runs, all of which were earned. And then Andrew Chafin out of the bullpen gives up a run. But then you had good innings from Archie Bradley and Greg Holland to be able to hold down the fort. Holland now 1.59 ERA, and there was just one home run for the. Arizona Diamondbacks, as that was provided by Quetel Marte, his 11th of the year. He did a little bit of everything in this game for the team, and for the San Francisco Giants, it was just not a good start by their young starter in Andrew Suarez. In four innings, he gives up nine runs, seven of which were earned. He was not helped by errors by Pablo Sandoval and Brandon Belt, but he now has a nine ERA, but The good news for the San Francisco Giants is that in five innings of relief, the bullpen gave up just one run, none of which were earned. One of those was due to an error that was on Sam Dyson, so it was a good showing from the San Francisco Giants bullpen, I guess, but Man, Andrew Suarez looks like a guy that you've got to be fading, and you got to be once again fading the Miami Marlins. After winning six in a row, they've now lost two straight. As for the Washington Nationals, they had Patrick Corbin go the distance. You don't have to worry about that awful Nats bullpen when they don't get to the bullpen, because Patrick Corbin was magnificent in this one. Just five strikeouts, but in nine innings, he gives up just four hits, no runs. And for the Washington Nationals, they were able to get to Sandy Alcantara in this one. Alcantara in five innings, gives up five runs, four of which were earned. Was not helped by but the good news for the Miami Marlins is that their bullpen is not looked much better and Jarlon Garcia wound up being able to pitch three innings of relief, so a little bit of a good sign there. The A's had a good sign with their offense as they were able to plate six runs, even with Chris Davis out of the lineup, and they are able to get a 6-5 win. Matt Chapman was the bigot of the game. In the first inning, he got a home run out of UC Kikuchi, his 12th of the year. As for Kikuchi, he winds up taking the loss in this one. Just got completely pelted. In three and a third innings, he gives up five runs, four of which were earned. Now is a 3.82 ERA. It just seems to be a different pitcher away from home than at home. That's something that I'm certainly noting. And good news for the Seattle Mariners is that in four and two Third's innings. Bullpen gave up just one run. That was given up by Brandon Brennan. He now has a 230 RA, so he's actually been decent for the team. And for the Oakland A's, they have DFA'd Fernando Rodney, which is good news. Bad news is Blake Tryon wound up giving up two runs, including a home run in this one, as Domingo Santana, his ninth and tenth home runs of the year, and Mitch Haniger is 13th. So the Seattle Mariners continue to play overs. A team that continues to play unders the Tampa Bay Rays, and they continue to win their games by two-plus runs. 27 of their 30 wins have been by two plus runs as they knock off the Cleveland Indians by kind of six to two. For the Tampa Bay Rays, they got a little bit of power in this one. G-Man Choi, his fourth home run of the year. Brandon Lowe, his 11th. And Tommy Pham, his eighth of the year. These were all off of Carlos Carrasco, who has really, really had an issue with giving up home runs. I think he now has given up like 12 or 13. In 6 and a 3rd innings, he gives up 6 runs, 5 of which were earned, 3 dingers. And then from there, the Cleveland Indians bullpen was able to do the job but damage already been done. Good news for them is that Carlos Santana in the 8th inning was able to get a home run his ninth of the year, but for the Tampa Bay Rays another quality start from Charlie Morton. He gets 10 punch outs in 6 innings, gives up just 1 run. And then from there, the bullpen was able to go 3 innings and they gave up just 1 run. That 1 run was given up by Casey Sadler, and he still has a 176 ERA. So Tampa Bay Rays, still certainly a team that, in general, you can trust. You really can't have a lot of faith, though, in the Milwaukee Brewers as they wind up losing to the Philadelphia Phillies by kind of 7-2. When I say you can't have a lot of faith in the Milwaukee Brewers, I'm talking about their starter, Ulysse Jassine, not the team in general, as Jassine in five innings gives up four runs, all of which were earned. Seems like the only team that he can pitch against is the Chicago Cubs. And then Alex Claudio, the bullpen, gives up three runs himself. I believe he leads the majors in regards to appearances by a pitcher, and he's just been overused, it seems like. Good news for the Milwaukee Brewers is that Mike Boustakis hit a home run off of Jake Arrieta, his 13th of the year, but for Arrieta, this was a quality start. He goes 8 innings, gives up 2 runs, including that home run, but all in all, a very good showing, as Jose Alvarez was able to pitch a good ninth inning for the team as well, and for the Philadelphia Phillies, they had the power working. Andrew McCutcheon, his eighth home run of the year. Cesar Hernandez, his fifth of the year. JT Riomuto, his eighth home run of the year. And then Reese Hoskins continues to mash his 13th dinger of the year. Another team that continues to mash the St. Louis Cardinals as they take down the Atlanta Braves by a count of six to three. In this one for the Braves, they got a pretty good start out of Mike Soroka. He goes six innings, gives up two runs, one of which were earned. He still certainly is a trustworthy starter. 107 ERA, but. It was a bullpen that I have been noting has been much better with the Atlanta Braves that let him down as Dan Winkler in the eighth inning gives up four runs, all of which were earned, and that was due to a Jed Gurko home run. Jed Gurko, who we have not seen much from his first home run of the year. That was a three-run shot, as Dakota Hudson actually delivered a good start for the St. Louis Cardinals, probably his best of the year. Only two walks in this one. He- He's had a massive walks issue all year long. Six and a third innings. Gives up two runs, both of which were earned. Carlos Martinez, who is still working his way back, gave up a run out of the bullpen, but then from there, Andrew Miller and Jordan Hicks were able to close the door and get the win and the save respectively. So, very good signs out there for the pitching of the St. Louis Cardinals, and some good signs for the New York Mets as they were able to get an extra inning win over the Detroit Tigers. And for the Tigers, all in all, their bullpen was able to do the job here. Ryan Carpenter winds up going five innings and gives up two runs, one of which was earned, but the bullpen in seven innings, they wind up just giving up three runs, which for them is actually pretty darn good. The man that gave up two of those runs was very early on in the game and Nick Ramirez he now has a 3.46 ERA and the Detroit Tigers were able to get a home run out of Brandon Dixon it's fourth of the year and for the New York Mets their bullpen it seems to be on the fritz a little bit, but they were able to do just enough to be able to get the win in this one. Jason Vargas actually looks like he's putting it together as a starter. In his first start off the injured list, he gives up just one run in five innings. Taylor Bachelor wound up giving up two runs out of the bullpen. He jacked up his ERA a little bit, and then Robbie Gesellman gives up a run in one and two-thirds innings himself. But then from there, you had Edwin Diaz, Wilmer Fond, Zamora, and Hector Santiago wind up making his first appearance of the year I believe and he was able to close the door and be able to get a two ending win I guess you could say in this one is for the New York Mets. You had Wilson Ramos really come into his own his fourth and fifth home runs of the year and then the big shot was the walk-off home run provided by Tomas Nito, his second of the year. That was off of Buck Farmer as another team that was able to get a walk-off win, the Houston Astros they get it by a count of 4-3 to three over the Boston Red Sox. As for the Red Sox David Price had to wind up leaving this game due to injury. He only goes two-thirds of an inning. And then from there, the Boston Red Sox bullpen, which is going to be badly taxed tomorrow, actually did a good job. In seven and a third innings, they wind up giving up four runs. But you had a bunch of different guys come in. Hector Velasquez gave up one run in two innings of relief. The one guy that really gave it up for this team was Travis Lakins, who gave up two runs in two and a third innings, but he's more of a really long reliever. And then Matt Barnes winds up taking the loss in this one. But all in all, you can't be too mad if you're a Red Sox fan. As for the Houston Astros... They weren't really able to get any home runs in this one, but they got a solid start out of Brad Peacock. He goes six innings does not give up a single run, but the Houston Astros bullpen, which entered the day with the best ERA out there in the big leagues, showed some weakness. Roberto Azuna winds up giving up two runs as he tried to close the door in the ninth inning, and then Hector Rondon gave up a run himself, but all in all, the Houston Astros were able to get the job done, and the Red Sox bullpen... Certainly going to be on its last legs tomorrow. And for the LA Dodgers, this game is still in progress. They're in the bottom of the sixth inning, but they are up by a count of 7-2. Another good start from Hunjin Ryu. Got a little bit touched up in the second inning, but all in all, he has certainly been doing the job for this team as currently through his five and a third innings, he has not issued a walk. He just looks like Greg Maddux out there. And then with the LA Dodgers, of their seven runs, none of which were via the home run, So that is something that you do want to note as well. And Joe Musgrove continues to get shoved for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He got off to a very good start. He gives up six runs in five innings in this one. So that is a bit of an issue. The Baltimore Orioles currently lead the Colorado Rockies by a count of 7-5 in the bottom of the sixth as well. Andrew Kashner wound up having a little bit of a blow-up inning earlier in this one, but... He has been one of the most profitable pitchers out there in the big leagues and he wound up giving 5 innings, giving up 5 runs in the process as Nolan Arenado continues to mash. He it is his 14th home run of the year and he's got all 5 of the Colorado Rocky RBI at this point, but Kyle Freeland now has to be on your fade list. In four innings, he gives up seven runs, all of which were earned, including two dingers, going yard for the Baltimore Orioles, Jonathan Villar, his sixth of the year, and Renato Nunes, his 12th of the year. And this game just got served. The Angels are up by the count of 1-0 over the Texas Rangers. I just don't have much for you there. So what have we learned from this Saturday? The Yankees' bullpen continues to be terrific. The Minnesota Twins are just continuing to supply some power. The Chicago Cubs' bullpen is much better than Yu Darvish is, at least as an option late in games. The San Diego Padres seem to be coming into their own with their offense and the Blue Jays. Entire pitching staff in general seems to have a lot of leaks. The Arizona Diamondbacks are really getting things going with the bats. You don't have to worry about the Washington Nationals bullpen if you don't see the Washington Nationals bullpen. The Seattle Mariners continue to play overs. The New York Mets seem to be having some issues with the bullpen, but the Bats seem to be getting online. Jake Arrieta seems to be doing some good work for the Philadelphia Phillies. The Tampa Bay Rays still have one of the best rotations out there in the big leagues and bullpens in general. The Cardinals look to have a bullpen that you can start to trust more and more. And the Boston Red Sox in general have some good bullpen pieces themselves. You can continue to trust in Hunjin Ryu, and you can also trust in Andrew Kashner as well, even though the Baltimore Orioles may not win a bunch of his starts, he will still be profitable for you at year's end. So, that is what I took away from Saturday. Let's turn the page forward to Sunday, and no better man to help me do that than the big man on campus, Jeff Nadeau. He joins me next, right here on MLB Overtime Betting.
1: Greg is going to the bullpen as he makes a call to the Azunia Hotline.
2: And we're back here on MLB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson broadcasting from the de Gill Studios out here in wonderful Las Vegas. We've had this gentleman on a variety of podcasts, College Hoops Overtime Betting, and right here on MLB Overtime Betting. It is a big man on campus. He handicaps a little bit of everything. College basketball, the MLB, the NBA, soccer, you name it, he does it. It is Jeff Nadeau joining me, and you can find him on Twitter, at Jeff Nadeau. How are you doing today, my good friend? Doing well, Greg. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. And another team that is doing well is the Minnesota Twins. I know that you and I have both been watching this team quite a bit. I know that you've been firing on them quite a bit. I've been firing on them quite a bit, and they've been cashing tickets left and right. They're going to be going up against the Chicago White Sox on Sunday. What do you make out of this one? Because the Twins are right now on a record pace for home runs. They're ripping the cover off the ball. One through nine have just been terrific. And they just seem to be getting enough from their pitching as well. It's been pretty good for them.
0: Yeah, I mean, but, you know, the funny thing is about the Twins, Greg, is they seem to do stuff like this every year. I know last year they had kind of a nice start to the season. We have to remember, it's only May 25th, May 26th, the end of May. So, you know, we don't have a lot to go on, but we have teams that are showing off and showing out. I guess you kind of just ride it, though, with the Twins for as long as you can. And you look at them in this game, I mean, you're laying big prices with the Twins. You got to do it on Saturday. You're going to do it again on Sunday. You mentioned that... You yeah, they are hitting the cover off the ball. They've really been a fun team to bet on because, you know, unlike past seasons, you know, they, they have a, a decent bullpen. They have a feasible rotation. But, look, I mean, they lead the league in runs scored. They've been just a fun team to watch. You look at Dylan Covey, not a guy that I'm running to the window to back. And, you know, you look at Jake Odorizzi. He's had a very good season. You know, really outside of... Occasionally, Kyle Gibson. Really, everyone's pitched fairly well for this group. I hate to be square. I hate to be kind of going the way you think you'd go, but I got to go Twins. I mean, this team's averaging over two home runs a game, Greg. I mean, that's just unbelievable. Everyone in this lineup is contributing, and, you know, Covey, like most pitchers on the White Sox, is very hittable. I'll agree with you here. I kind of like the Twins.
2: I will say, there is one guy that I'm not really looking to back for the Minnesota Twins. That would be Michael Pineda. On this podcast, yeah. I call Michael Pinata for a reason. That's really the only time that I've been fading the Minnesota Twins. Whenever Michael Pinata's on the mound, because this guy
0: is an ERA above five, and he just seems to give up too many dingers. I mean, he's had a problem a lot of that with his career. When he was with the Yankees, a lot of his issues were late, you know in innings, you know getting out you know just ending innings you know he'd seem to get the two outs and then he'd give up two or three hits in a row and before you know it, you know an inning that looked pretty quick ended up being you know an inning where he gets crushed you know he's never really i think kind of matriculated into what a lot of people thought he would um he's had some injuries, which you know obviously that hurts, but yeah, I mean, I think outside of him I, I think you have to be pretty happy with what they have you look at Orizzy, um he's had a pretty good career I mean you know he's with Tampa for a long time he comes over you look at this year I mean opponents are hitting 195 off Odorizzi I mean he's been very good uh, he's got a whip right around one I mean he's everywhere you want to be you know he's only given up four home runs over 53 innings I'm definitely interested here in, in Odorizzi he's definitely a guy that I'm I'm willing to bet
2: the twins are absolutely white hot as we do have Jeff Nader joining me right here on the podcast and the team that seems to be heating up as well is the Arizona Diamondbacks. We're noticing recently that the San Francisco Giants have went from very much an under team to playing a lot of overs, but they're playing them for the wrong reasons. You got guys like Derek Holland coming out of the bullpen. He has not done much for this team with the Arizona Diamondbacks. You've got quite a few guys that are able to hit. Ketel Marte, Christian Walker and company. And you have a Matchup here of Sean Anderson against Luke Weaver. Luke Weaver, a guy that's only three and three, but I really like what I've seen of him so far this year. 3-1-4 ERA, one oh six whip, 62 strikeouts. This is a spot where I do have to look at the Arizona Diamondbacks. I'm not sure about you.
0: Yeah, you know, I actually backed Arizona Friday night. I had the whole game. Yeah, that was 18-2. That was a cruiser. An easy winner there. I mean, those are the ones you kind of dream about. I mean, it's funny because they actually went down two uh, one in the game, and yeah, they just that was kind of it. I think they outscored them. I think seventeen nothing the rest of the way. Yeah, I, I mean, you look at Arizona, definitely a good lineup, a team that's definitely going to put it together. Yeah, they kind of hit a little bit of a bump, really basically up until the Friday night game and then they started to show out a little bit and score some runs they have plenty of guys that can hit in this lineup whether it's Keitel Marte or Adam Jones or or really whoever I'm like one to see from them and you're always going to get a good offensive performance Luke Weaver as you said he's been very good yeah they've had their bumps in the, the rotation as well you know Zach Godley Robbie Ray at times but you know Weaver's been real good for them in 57 innings he's only given up a few home runs not walking a ton of guys good whip, good average against. San Francisco, Greg, you kind of feel bad for their fans. I think they have to understand it's time to probably blow up what they have there. They have a lot of big contracts. It's Bruce Bochy's last year. It's time to get a new manager in there, kind of relieve some of those big contracts, and really start over. You have a decent base of some young guys, and I think it's time to start. I mean, you look at this team 219 average, second worst in a major leagues. They're not getting on base. Their on-base percentage as a club is 283, just hideous numbers. But given on-base percentage under 320, I mean, you have major issues. This team stinks. They can't hit. Their bullpen's not very good. Yeah, I mean, I kind of like what I'm seeing out of Arizona right now. I'll keep backing them I, I kind of liked them a little bit on Saturday, not as much as they did Friday, but I think back on Sunday, when I heard the starters for Sunday, I kind of had an ish- interest in Arizona here. I'll go back to the well with them. Should be a nice spot here.
2: I'm right now seeing Arizona as about a minus 115 to minus 120 favor, which is obviously very reasonable in this spot as we do have Jeff Nadeau joining me. And with the San Francisco Giants squad, getting back to them, you were talking about the lineup. The only guy in the starting lineup on Saturday that entered with a batting average above 255. Pablo Sandoval, that tells you all that you need to know about the San Francisco Giants right there. And they're still playing overs just because you take a look at this lineup. I mean, Madison Bumgarner, yeah, he's a decent starter, but he's not what he once was. The bullpen was very good at the beginning of the year, but you could tell that they're getting tags. When you got guys like Drew Pomerantz, a company, getting starts, I just think that this is a team moving forward. There's going to be a lot of value in fading, especially at home, because it feels like their numbers are overinflated when they're at home.
0: Yeah, as you said, there's just not much to really like about them. I mean, Brandon Belt's not having a good year. Brandon Crawford's not having a good year. Yeah, you, know, you went out and made a deal for guys like Evan Longoria. I mean, just junk. Buster Posey, he's not giving you his normal three fifteen. Yeah, you know, you've had to have your know, school runs off random guy. I mean, Tyler Austin He's been okay. You know, certain guys at times, but it's just been a real mess. I mean, people are just having bad years. Gerardo Parra, Greg, who he's normally a really good hitter. I mean, was have got Colorado who's a good hitter. He's been at some good spots. He's hitting under 200. hundred. has been a mess. Just up and down this lineup, just mess after mess after mess.
2: It was so bad with Parra. I believe that he's now with the Washington Nationals because I remember he had that Grand Slam a few weeks ago against the LA Dodgers so that tells you right there just how bad it's been going for them
0: and that's funny you say that because you know normally you know kind of on top of players but you, you don't even realize hard Opar moved on because he's been so bad you know it's like yeah, he doesn't play much I think he occasionally will get a start but, but yeah I mean up and down the lineup either way I mean there's a lot of Just poor averages, just not getting on
2: base. Speaking of a team that up and down the lineup has poor averages, the Kansas City Royals. Actually, the top of the lineup, I will say, guys like Wood Merrifield, Adalberto Mondesi, Alex Gordon, and company, they're very good. And then it feels like after those top five hitters, you got that big divide. The guys like Chris Owings, Ryan O'Hearn, Martin Maldonado, all hitting below 200. And they have to go up against the Yankees and... Domingo Herman, who has been absolutely sensational this year. 9-1 and record, 260 ARA, whip below one, and he goes against Danny Duffy, who's actually off to a good start himself. I will say, I'm a little bit surprised that he's 3-1 and right now, but I just feel like regression to the mean is going to set in, and this is one where I do have to look at the Yankees on the run
0: line. Yeah, I could see where you're going there. I will admit, Greg, I kind of like the under in this game at 9.5. I mean, anytime I can get a total above 9, And I'm always interested in kind of going over what I can get from an over-under perspective. As you said with Danny Duffy, it's actually pitched pretty well for the most part. You know, and again, I know that I'm playing with fire with Casey's bullpen, but here's something I know about it, Greg. You look at both pitchers. I like what I'm getting out of both of them, particularly Herman, who has the ability to shut you know really any lineup down. And as you said, this isn't a great lineup. Opponents only hitting 185 against Herman, his whips under one. He's really been the best starter that the Yankees have. You also look at the Yankees' bullpen, their ability to close things down. I do have a feeling when you look at Duffy or Herman, both are going to go pretty deep into this game. You know, both lineups are solid, but again, I'm willing to think this is kind of like a maybe a 5-2 type of game. And I could see a situation where Herman just goes in there and just there's a lot of heat and it does a really good job. Duffy, it's not Keller. It's not one of those kind of guys yeah, I'm willing to think Duffy can give them enough here. He's going decently deep into games. He's giving them six, six and two thirds. We'll hope he can do that here. At nine and a half, I think that's just a bit too high. I'll go under nine and a half here with Herman. Always a decent bet. We do have the
2: great handicapper Jeff Nadeau joining me right here on the podcast. I do think another angle for that under, you talk about both these serves being very good. These two teams had to play a doubleheader yesterday. Now, with the New York Yankees, they had to do essentially piecemeal a starter because they didn't even know who their starter for Game 2 was going to be until after Game 1 of the doubleheader yesterday. you got to think that they want to get as many innings as possible out of Domingo Herman, who we just mentioned was good. And we both mentioned Danny Duffy right now, right around a 3-4, 3-5 ERA. And we know the Kansas City Royals bullpen stinks was completely taxed. They had to go with Jorge Lopez in the second game. I do think that the under and the Yankees run line is the way that I'm going to be going in this one. I think that you're really onto something with this
0: under. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this is like a six nothing game or something. I, it wouldn't surprise me if Herman kinda goes the distance here or, you know, goes seven and, and they kinda clean it up late. But yeah, you know, you look at the Yankees and I'm sure you let your people know of, you know, we record this the day before and you know, we're recording this late Saturday afternoon and it's almost five o'clock Eastern and the Yankees still don't have a starter for game two, as far as I know. So, you know, who knows what's gonna go on in game two, but hey, this is gonna be big for both teams. This is kind of the one of those games where you kind of have to have these guys go deep into the game because as you said, double headers always hurt your staff. And yeah, I'm willing to think Herman and Duffy are the right guys for the job. Absolutely.
2: I am right there with you. And has there been anything in general in baseball that you've really been noticing that has stuck out? I remember earlier on this podcast, a few times when you joined me, you were talking about the Tampa Bay Rays. and how they've been covering the run line in all but three of their wins. They've won by two plus runs. That has been smoking out right now. The Reds, I know that they've been playing some overs recently, but they've been the best under team out there in the big leagues. Is there anything that's really
0: standing out for you in regards to a trend standpoint? Wouldn't necessarily say a trend standpoint, but you're really just kind of delving in more to just how bad the Nationals bullpen is. I mean, and I keep seeing people, you know, betting this team. I'll never tell someone how to bet games. I'll try to advise them on what to do, but I just don't really see reasoning on continuing to back this team full game it's kind of a shame because you know you do kind of like their rotation I mean Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin you know all guys you want to back but it's really never you know if they have to pitch one inning they can blow it you know it seems like every night they're blowing a lead and the only reason this weekend they're winning games is because they're playing the worst team in the majors in the Marlins who have a bullpen that's just as bad but yeah I mean they're obviously horrendously bad there's a, a lot of teams with bad bullpens. I mean, I, I've been playing a lot of first fives this year. You are really kind of trying to identify matchups, obviously that make sense. And, you know, you have, you know, it's just certain spots where pitchers just don't pitch well against teams. You know, obviously last night, I think this Giants team is going to continue to be a nice team to bet against because you, know, you look at last night, guys like Drew Pomerant too, don't pitch well against certain teams. And, righties or lefties, you know, a guy like Dakota Hudson down at St. Louis. He's been on my pay book. Oh, yes. I mean, he's had awful issues against left-handed hitters are killing him, finding those matchups, identifying them. And really, you know, I've often talked with of baseball. It's really a game of you're going to be betting a lot of the same things, a lot of the same pitchers against a lot of the same pitchers, you know, finding things that work for you and and just kind of sticking to it.
2: Absolutely. And then I feel like sometimes it's the same way in college basketball. Like I remember we were both betting on Cal state Northridge so much because it's like, you know what? They may be a 20 loss team, but if you're giving me a double digit amount of points, every single game, I'm going to keep taking them. And it's one of those things where if it just keeps cashing, don't try to overthink it or anything like that. So many people are thinking, ah, oh, this streak is going to end, or you know what, this is a trend. We've got to keep backing it blindly, and it's not one of those things. When You just do your handicapping, and if it keeps coming out that, hey, betting you get to the San Francisco Giants is the way to go, just keep betting it as long as you're making money.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not saying that analytics is completely something I don't look at. I definitely look at some things, but, you yeah, know, I think a lot of the time analytics will almost try to get you to think and Jump ahead of things and say, well, something bad's going to happen. Like Hung Jin Ryu can't keep pitching this way or Mike Soroka can't keep pitching this way. Mike Minor can't keep pitching this way. And you know, a lot of the time they keep pitching that way. I mean, if sometimes we just look for things that aren't ever going to come and you know, look, you're going to have to lose games in baseball. It happens, but you know, you got to ride these guys as it happens. And that's really in any sport. I, I think you're dead right. Like if something's working, stick with it you know, eventually you're going to lose, but not losing a ton is the key, you know, and I'll keep riding hot pitchers, fading bad ones. And I think I'll do just fine with it.
2: I am right there with you. And Jeff, I'd like to close it up with this. Where can the good people out there find you on social media and elsewhere? Since I know that right now you're handicapping a little bit of everything with so much playoff action. Soccer has really been in full swing the past few weeks. I know that UEFA is really starting to wind down and everything like that, but you're a
0: man that has just about everything covered. Yeah. I mean, definitely over the last week or two, you know, I'm really kind of focusing solely on baseball. You know, occasionally I'll get involved with the NBA playoffs or something, but baseball has kind of been my focus right now and really just kind of getting ready for college football, keeping an eye on the NBA draft, the combine stuff, you know, kind of figuring out who's coming back and who's staying at school. So yeah, really just trying to put content out there, stay fresh. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jeff NADU
2: terrific a big thanks to Jeff Nadeau for joining me right here on the podcast and coming up next it is that time that I give you a side and total on every game on the Las Vegas betting board and a little something I'd like to call
1: touch them all hey I'm Steve Heitner the guy who uttered the famous phrase that's gold And that's the inspiration of my new podcast, That's Gold with Steve Heitner. We talk sports, sports betting, movies, comedy, food, drink, Vegas, music, movies, and more. Five days a week. Did I say movies twice? Look, guys love it, whether they're hip or worried about breaking a hip. Find us on Apple and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify and Stitcher. That's Gold with me, Steve Heitner. Welcome back to MLB Overtime. Greg is throwing a gem, so yeah, you better not blow it.
2: And a big thanks to our man Jeff Nadu, a.k.a. the big man on campus, for joining me in the last segment, as we are back here in the Azunicula Studios for MLB Overtime Betting. And now it is that time that I give you a side and total on every game on the Las Vegas betting board and a little something I like to call touch them all.
1: If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all.
2: Note that some of these plays are all locked in. Good to go. I've already bet them we are all signed, sealed, and delivered. Some of these plays, I'm in wait-and-see mode. I'm waiting on maybe a lineup change, maybe just a line move in general. And in some cases, there are teams that have just not announced starters as well. That will all be noted as we go along. And any changes are made to these plays and any updates are going to be available on my Twitter feed, at GeneNRSquare81. And as per usual, we go in Las Vegas rotation order, starting with 951-952. The Miami Marlins head to Washington face off against the Nationals. Caleb Smith goes for the Miami Marlins. Eric Fetty goes for the Washington Nationals. Fetty Wap was not announced as a starter until about a couple minutes before I started doing this podcast. For that reason, this game is currently off the board, and Eric Fetty actually gave a decent start when he started against the New York Mets about a week ago. I just think that the sample size of Caleb Smith is much bigger and much more significant, so I'm going to be looking at the Miami Marlins in this spot. you got to think that they're probably going to be getting a pretty good price here with Caleb Smith. 3-1 record. 238 ERA, 0.89 whip, and in 53 innings, he's given up just 14 walks and 7 home runs while fanning 71. That is impressive. And meanwhile, for Eric Fetty, I will say that in one start and other relief appearances, he's been decent. 15 and 2 thirds innings, he's only struck out 8. This is not a guy with great swing and miss stuff, but a whip of a 102, 287 ERA, giving up just one home run and five walks. That is solid, and we're noticing that with the Washington Nationals, their bats are really starting to pick up some steam, especially Anthony Rendon. He now has 10 home runs, 29 RBI, and is hitting 324. Juan Soto has his average very nearly at a 300. He has really done a great job in that regard, 34 RBI, 287 average. He's got eight home runs on the year. You've got Trey Turner back in the lineup. He led the MLB in stolen bases last year. Matt Adams is not necessarily doing a great job of being able to draw walks or anything like that but he's got a 260 average Brian Dozier filling at the Mendoza line but we've noticed that Jan Gomes has an average up to a 240 Victor Robles sitting about 250 as well he's got some speed and Eddie Meaton is doing a solid job of getting on base and then with the Miami Marlins you're taking a look at the worst offense out there in the big leagues they're the only team that is averaging fewer than three runs per game but they do have a couple bright spots in there you have to like the way that Harold Ramirez has been hitting. 353 average since getting called up to the big leagues. Neil Walker was using a pinch hitting roll yesterday. He's hitting a 280. That's been good. But then you take a look at a lot of these other bats. Austin Dean, Garrett Cooper, both hitting below the Mendoza line, along with Herrera out there in the outfield. Their outfield in general, led by Curtis Granderson, has just been a hot mess. I will say that Jorge Alfaro has been doing an Easter job being able to hit for this team. He got the day off yesterday, but he's got seven home runs on the year. He's hitting nearly 250. Miguel Rojas says his average at 252. Martín Prado at 243. But then got Sterling Castro and Brett Anderson both hitting right around 230 out there in the infield. So I do think that this is a spot where Caleb Smith is going to be able to cool down a hot-hitting Washington Nationals team, and the Marlins will be able to win a lower-scoring game. I'm right now leaning towards the under and the Marlins as long as I'm getting a plus price, but as always, check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at UNRSquare81 for official plays on this since it's currently off the board. 953-954 on the bank rotation. The LA Dodgers head to Pittsburgh to face off against the Pirates. Chris Archer goes for the Buccos. Kenta Maeda goes for the L.A. Dodgers. The total on this game is 8.5. The over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115 juice. The under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. If you like the Dodgers, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 159 and minus 163. Plus price here with the Bucos anywhere between plus 145 and plus 150. Chris Archer has not been good so far this year, and ever since coming off the injury list, he has just been hit around like a pinata. Meanwhile, Kenta Maeda, he's a little bit inconsistent himself, but he's coming off some very good starts, and he's been doing a good job of being able to limit the hard contact. In 51 of in third innings, he's issued 20 walks, which is a little bit too high, but just six home runs. 119 whip, 351 ERA. Meanwhile, for Archer, 555 ERA, 143 whip. He's still doing a good job of being able to get strikeouts in 35 and two-thirds innings. He's got 37 of them, but it just seems like this guy focuses too much on strikeouts and not anything else because he's also got 18 walks. He seems to jack up his pitch count, which leads to the Pittsburgh Pirates, who don't have a good bullpen themselves, having to dig into it and dig into it heavily. He's also given up seven home runs this year, and that's an issue considering the way the LA Dodgers are playing. Going into Saturday's action, Cody Bellinger hitting 389 with 18 home runs and 46 RBI. I would call that pretty stinking good right there. Justin Turner has kicked it up with the bat. He now has five home runs. Essentially all but one of them have been in the past three weeks. Jock Peterson has upped his average to a .240. It was much lower just a week or two ago, and he's got 14 home runs on the year. You've got Corey Seeger, who's only hitting a 233, and then you've got BD out there at the first base, but he's now hitting a two eighty-five. Alex Verdugo hitting above three hundred. Russell Martin and Austin Barnes have been okay at the catcher spot. Martin a little bit better with the bat, and Chris Taylor only hitting two fifteen. But all in all, this is a team with a lot of power. And then with the Pirates, they've also been coming into form with the bat, and it all starts with Josh Bell. He is hitting above three thirty. Going into Saturday, 16 home runs, 47 RBI. Melky Gabrera is hitting 333, Kevin Newman at 335. But then you've got a couple other guys that are famine with the bat, including Francisco Cervelli and Cole Tucker. Both these guys hitting below the Mendoza line. Adam Frazier at the top of the lineup has been doing a decent job of being able to get on base. He's hitting right around to 250. And then Brian Reynolds hitting above 300 himself with Sterling Marte starting to get it going with the bat as well. So for that reason, I am all aboard the LA Dodgers run line and I'm going to be taking this total over. Right now, with the run line of the Dodgers, I'm seeing right around even a minus 105. would like to be able to get a little bit of a plus price, but I've already locked in over 8.5 in this spot. 955, 956 on the batting rotation. The Philadelphia Phillies are in Milwaukee to face off against the Brew Crew. Brandon Woodruff goes for the Brewers. Meanwhile, Zach Eflin goes for the Philadelphia Phillies. The total on this game is 9.5. The under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. If you like the Phillies, you're going to be getting a plus price anywhere between plus 145 and plus 155. The Brewers are a between minus 158 and minus 165 favorite. I do really like what I've seen out of Brandon Woodruff so far this year, but... This just seems to be a little bit too big of a price, especially with Zach Eflin throwing two complete games in the month of May. I remember that he got shelled the last time we went up against the Milwaukee Brewers, but all in all, for the year, Zach Eflin, despite not having great swing and miss stuff, has been doing a solid job. 5-4 and four record, 276 ERA, just 47 strikeouts and 62 innings, but he's only given up 13 walks and 8 home runs as well. He's really done a good job of limiting that. And then with Brandon Woodruff, He has really come into his own. He's only given up like one earned run per start in the month of May, 351 ERA in 56 and a third innings. He's only given up six long balls and 17 walks with 65 strikeouts, and he's a pitcher that can rake as well, so that's always good to note. And then for the Philadelphia Phillies and Milwaukee Brewers, they both have their own sluggers that can rake outside of pitchers. Reese Hoskins hitting a 260, 12 home runs, 39 RBI. He was able to get another one yesterday. Meanwhile, Christian Yelich. 20 home runs. And this is despite being a little bit banged up this year. 325 average, 42 RBI. He's doing a little bit of everything for this team. You've got Gene Segura... Who's doing a tremendous job with his average for the Philadelphia Phillies. He is hitting at a .322 and with the Milwaukee Brewers you've got a couple guys that are kicking up with the average Orlando Garcia got off to a really rough start so far this year but he has now upped his average to a .256 but then you do have a couple guys that are struggling as well. Jesus Aguiar is hitting below the Mendoza line and Manny Pina has essentially been relegated out of the lineup but you do have to like the way that Ryan Braun is hitting .275 for this team he's obviously got some pop. Mike Boustakis 13 dingers to go along with his Nearly 265 average. And then you've got Yasmani Grandal hitting in that same neighborhood along with nine home runs so far this year. And then with the Philadelphia Phillies. You got a couple guys that are struggling out there. Bryce Harper, only 8 230, leading the MLB in strikeouts, but Cesar Hernandez has been a good find for the team, hitting over 300. Got his 5th home run of the year yesterday, G.T. Riomuto. 8 dingers to go with his two seventy average. You've got Andrew McCutcheon hitting a little bit better. He hit his 8th home run of the year yesterday, two sixty-five average himself, and John Kingery back in the lineup. He provides an average above three sixty. and you gotta think at some point Odubo Herrera is gonna come around with the bat as well. This is just too big of a plus price to pass up with the Philadelphia Phillies, I'm noticing Steam still coming in on the Brewers as well. I'm thinking a lot of people are thinking that there's no way the Brewers are going to lose another game, but I think that that could be the case. So we're going to be taking the plus price here with Philadelphia Phillies and Wayne Seambo there, but have already locked in the under on this game. We move on to 957, 958 on the betting rotation. The Cincinnati Reds are in Chicago to face off against the Cubbies. Jose Quintana goes for the Chicago Cubs. Tanner Roark for the Cincinnati Reds. There is no total up on the board right now since this is a game being played at Wrigley Field. But if you want to bet the Reds, you're going to be getting anywhere between plus 143 and plus 145. to late here with the Cubs on the money line. That is anywhere between minus 153 and minus 160. I do like what I've seen out of Jose Quintana so far this year. I know he's had a couple rough starts at Tanner Roark. In his defense, he's actually been much better this year than he has been in past years. You take a look at Rorark, 351 ERA, 51 in the third innings. He's only given up two home runs but his issue is walks. He's given up 23 of them and Kitana has a little bit of an issue with that as well. He's issued 18 free passes and 57 and the third innings, given up 7 home runs, but he has just a 3.30 ERA, 1.22 whip, and with the Chicago Cubs, you've got a team that's really coming into their own and is really hitting. Wilson Contreras hitting 315, he's been providing a lot of home runs along with Anthony Rizzo. These two guys in the middle of the lineup have a combined 25 dingers as Rizzo now has his average up to nearly a 280 to go with 40 RBI. Chris Bryan ever since a slow start to the season, has really gotten things turned around He's got his average all the way up to a 288 himself. You've got Addison Russell being able to get his second home run of the year yesterday. He's got his average up to a 256. Albert Armora Jr. Now hitting 265. He's coming around with the bat. We've noticed that Jason Hayward and Daniel Descalso have taken a step back ever since hot starts of the year, but Jason Hayward was able to get a home run himself. He's now hitting 240. And then Javi Baez just does a little bit of everything for the team. He's hitting above 300. 12 dingers, 33 RBI. And Kyle Schwarber seems to be coming around with the bat as well. Meanwhile, the Cincinnati Reds. You've got the top under team out there in the big leagues. And the reason why is because you've got a bunch of guys that have not really come around with the bat. Though I will say Yasiel Puig has been doing a better job. He's got two home runs the past two days for nine on the year. And you got other guys that are doing a good job of being able to supply some power. It all starts with Eugenio Suarez and Jesse Winker Winker only hitting 224, but he's got 10 home runs so far this year. And Suarez hitting 267 with 14 dingers himself. Joy Vado is only hitting 226. That's obviously an issue, but you've got to think that that's going to end in the right dire- direction. And then Dan Diedrich has supplied 13 home runs with his 243 average. And Jose Iglesias actually giving the team something with a 300 average as well but I do think that the Cubs have the better starter here in Jose Quintana. I know that the bullpen has really been letting them down a little bit in the past couple days, but I still have faith in guys like Brad Brock and company. And with the Reds, you know that you've got guys like Dylan Hernandez, Amir Garrett, Rocio Iglesias and company that you can rely upon. So if the wind is not completely harebrained. I'm probably going to be looking at an under in this spot, and I'm going to be looking at the Cubs on the run line. Currently, that run line is off the board, but I do think that they're going to get to Tanner Rourke in this spot, and there's going to be a couple home runs supplied by the Cubbies. 959, 960 on the betting rotation. The Arizona Diamondbacks are in San Francisco to face off against the Giants. Sean Anderson goes for the San Francisco Giants. Luke Weaver. For the Diamondbacks, the total on this game is 7.5. If you like the under, that is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115 juice. The over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. If you like the Diamondbacks, you're going to be getting a price anywhere between minus 114 and minus 120. The plus price here with the San Francisco Giants between plus 104 and plus 110. I have absolutely no idea where the bookmakers came up with this price. The San Francisco Giants have been anemic on offense all year long. They just got pummeled in each of the last two games against the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks in those two games, it combined 28 runs. And we talked about it earlier with Jeff Nader. Luke Weaver has been fantastic. He's given up six home runs at 57 in the third inning, 62 strikeouts there. Sean Anderson in two starts hasn't been awful. 10 innings pitched, he hasn't given up a home run. He's only got eight strikeouts and three walks and a 360 ERA, but it's a very small sample size. And with the Arizona Diamondbacks, got a lot of guys that are really coming into their own, including Eduardo Escobar. He is hitting above 280, 12 home runs, 37 RBI, he has been absolutely sensational for this team. Kito Marte really getting the job done with the bat. 11 home runs over a 270 average and 36 RBI. You take a look at some of the guys that are even lower down on the lineup. Nick Ahmad is hitting nearly 250. He's able to provide some power. Tim LeCastro hasn't played a lot for this team, but he's hitting nearly 300 as well. You've got Avila at the catcher spot hitting nearly 260. And then Adam Jones is hitting nearly 290 right now. He's picked it up with the bat with 9 home runs so far this year. And then for the San Francisco Giants, I referenced it a little bit earlier. Pablo Sandoval was the only man in the starting lineup yesterday that had an average above 250. Brandon Belt has not been doing anything. Kevin Pillar has been a hot mess for the team, hitting at 223. Joe Panik hitting 241. is right now one of the better averages on the team. Steven Duger is hitting right around 240. You're not getting a whole lot out of Buster Posey you're not getting a lot out of Evan Longoria. There's just not too many redeeming qualities for this team in general. The bullpen has really been getting taxed and now you've got guys like Derek Holland trying to do long relief and they're just not getting the job done. Sam Dyson is a trustworthy arm out there, but I don't think they're going to be using him because I think the Arizona Diamondbacks are going to get to Anderson in this spot. I think that they're going to put this game out of reach very early. I know that the Diamondbacks are still dealing with injuries to Wilmer Flores and David Peralta who are both on the 10-day injured list, but It has not slowed them down one bit. So I am all about the Arizona Diamondbacks in this spot. I've already locked this play in, and I'm going to be taking the over as well. I'm noticing that there's a little bit of seam coming in on the under. I think that's based on the ballpark's reputation alone. I don't think that there's anything to it. So I'm going to see if I'm able to get a little bit of a better price. But I've already locked in the Diamondbacks and going to be playing this total over. 961, 962 on the back rotation. It is the St. Louis Cardinals, and they are playing host to the Atlanta Braves. Julio Tehran goes for the Braves. Meanwhile, for the St. Louis Cardinals, Jack Flaherty. Total on this game is anywhere between 8.5 and and 9. If you like the 8.5, that over is minus 120. Juicy, under is even. The 9 comes with juice of between minus 115 and minus 120. And the over is anywhere between even and minus 105. If you like the Bravos, you're going to get a plus price here. Anywhere between plus 130 and plus 134. If you want to take a shot here on the St. Louis Cardinals, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 142 and minus 145. Jack Flaherty and Julio Tehran are a pair of guys that sometimes supply some good starts and then sometimes they get blown up a little bit, but I actually do think that this is going to be a little bit more of a pitcher's duel, so I am going to wind up playing this total under. Keep in mind that this is going to be the Sunday night game on ESPN, and Julio Tehran has actually been doing a good job of being able to get swings and misses. 62 strikeouts so far this year, 126 whip, 367 ERA. Now giving out 29 walks is a couple too many, but does a good job of being able to limit the hard contact. Meanwhile, Jack Flaherty. Given up nine dingers and 53 and two thirds innings, 419 ERA, 125 whip. He also does a good job of being able to get punch-outs, but he too walks a couple too many guys with 20. And with the Atlanta Braves, I just feel like they do a little bit of a better job of being able to hit for average. They're hitting 260 on the air. And to my surprise, the Cardinals are hitting 256 as a team, but it just feels like they've been a little bit more feast or famine recently. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Marcel Ozuna while well, he's been providing a lot of power, he has hung 14 home runs on the board. He's only hitting right in the neighborhood of 230. Then you got Matt Carpenter, who's still struggling. He's been able to hit a couple home runs recently, but he too only hitting 210. That's a big issue. Paul Goldschmidt hitting 262 is just not like him. Dexter Feller is hitting 265, but that seems to be falling back to earth. Jose Ramirez and Paul DeYoung are both hitting above 300, but they're both cooling down a little bit. And then Colton Wong now hitting below 240 after a good start to the year. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Atlanta Braves. It's just absolutely amazing what Austin Riley is doing for the team. Five home runs. He had another big RBI for the team. He's hitting above three fifty. Ozzie Albies is hitting right around two sixty five And Raul Lacuna Jr., both these guys have a good... Mix of a little bit of everything. They're able to hit for power and average. Albies, seven home runs so far this year. Ronald Acuna hitting more in the realm of 280 with a double digit amount of home runs himself. James B. Swanson has been a really nice find. 35 RBI and anything above 260 going into Saturday's action. And then Freddie Freeman is the guy doing a little bit of everything, hitting nearly 320, 13 home runs himself. Whoever they sicken in at the country spot, whether it be Trey Flowers or Brian McCann, both been getting the job done. Then, then Mick Marquekis and Josh Donaldson seem to be cooling off a little bit, but Marcakis still hitting right around 280. Josh Johnson at 265. He's been a little bit up and down this year, but with the Atlanta Braves, we also noticed that the bullpen has really been picking it up for this team as well. I do like the way that guys like Anthony Swarzak and Josh Shomlin are able to give this team some good bridge innings. I know that Jerry Blevins has been blowing up with his ERA a little bit, but then you've got other guys like Luke Jackson and even Sean Newcomb that are able to do the job for this team. He's been solid ever since being moved from the starting rotation to the bullpen. So, for that reason, I am looking at the Atlanta Braves here and with the St. Louis Cardinals also having a solid bullpen. I'm looking at this total under as well. I'm wanting to try to get more minus 110 juice on that under of 9, and the Braves just seem to be not getting a lot of love right now. I'm noticing a little bit of money coming on the same St. Louis Cardinals. So it wait and see mode well there, but I'm going to be playing the St. Louis Cardinals and the under in the spot. 963, 964 on the banging rotation. We've got one that is off the board as the Tampa Bay Rays are in Cleveland facing off against the Indians. Got to think that the Tampa Bay Rays are going to be going with some form of an opener here as they are still to be determined. Meanwhile, Trevor Bauer goes on the bump for the Cleveland Indians, and this is a spot where I'm probably going to be taking a look at the, the Tampa Bay Rays and the under in the spot. We've noticed that Trevor Bauer has been getting a little bit touched up in his past couple starts. He was very good at the beginning of the year, but he has since had his ERA skyrocket to nearly a 4. He was absolutely lights out in the month of April. He looked very good towards the end of the year last year, but... Just taking a look at the month of May, in three out of his four starts, he's given up at least four earned runs in three of them, and in two of those starts, he's given up seven of them. He still has good swing and miss stuff, 80 punch outs, in 72 thirds innings, he's been going deep in his starts, but he's also allowed nine home runs as well. He's got a 1-1-7 whip. And then with the Tampa Bay Rays, their wholesale approach has been working very well. Whenever Ryan Stanek comes in as an opener, he's able to really set the table. And then from there, Jalen Beeks and Yoni Chirinos have really been doing a good job of being able to limit the damage themselves. Both these guys have an ERA below a 3-5. And then with the Tampa Bay Rays, you don't necessarily have a bunch of sexy bats out there, but you just have a bunch of guys that are able to make some solid contact. Brandon Lowe heading into Saturday, had 10 home runs, hitting 280 with 28 RBI. Austin Meadows, I really feel like, is a difference maker for this team. He's got nine dingers of his own. He's been hitting above 300 for the squad all year long. Spent a little time on the injured list, but he's been very solid whenever he's been out there. G Man Choi is hitting right around 260. No, hasn't necessarily provided pop, but he does a good job of being able to get on base. Avicio Garcia, nine dingers to go with an average above 280 himself. And we've even noticed that William Dobbins and Kevin Kiermeyer has picked it up in recent days for the team as well. And then with the Cleveland Indians, they just don't have a lot of guys that are hitting in general for the team. Carlos Santana has been doing a little bit of a better job providing some power. He's up to eight home runs. I think four of them are in the last 10 days, but Jake Bowers is hitting below 220. Jose Ramirez barely above the Mendoza line. Leonis Martin below 230. Roberto Perez below 230. You've got Greg Allen who's barely hitting above 100 at this point. And then Jason Kipnis, who's hitting at 220. Francisco Lindor is having to do a little bit of everything. He's hitting 280. He's provided seven home runs ever since coming off the injured list. And we do know that the Cleveland Indians, they themselves, have won the best bullpens out there in the big leagues. You've got guys like Nick Wickren that have been doing a good job of being able to bridge. Endings. You know that Brad Hand is able to be very reliable for this team along with guys like Oliver Perez, but this is a spot where I've got to take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays. And the under in this spot once again gonna have official plays in the morning once we have a line at you under square one. But those are my early leans. 965, 966 on the betting rotation. The Minnesota Twins play off to the Chicago White Sox. Dylan Covey goes for the Chicago White Sox. Jake Odorizzi for the Minnesota Twins. The total on this game is 10 and a half. With the under of juice between minus 115 and minus 120. The overs anywhere between minus 105 and even. If you're looking at the White Sox, you're gonna get a plus price here anywhere between plus 210 and plus 215. If you want to lay the big number here with the Twins, that is anywhere between minus 240 and minus 250. Oh, gosh. I know that Jake Odorizzi has been very, very good for this team. I know that the Twins are rolling right now. I know that the Twins are on pace to shatter the home runs record by like 60 home runs that was set last year by the New York Yankees. I'm looking at the Chicago White Sox here. Dylan Covey has not been the Mona Lisa veto of pitching. In 20 and a third innings, he's given up four home runs, 16 walks, 531 ERA, 157 whip, but I'll continue to say it. The White Sox bullpen has been much, much better recently than it was at the beginning of the year. Jace Fry and company have been doing a very good job of being able to lower their ERA. Whenever they have a lead late in games, Colome is able to close it out for them. And this is a White Sox team that they've got some power bats themselves. They've been held a little bit silent by the Minnesota Twins early on in the series, but Jose Abreu, 13 home runs, 267 average, 42 RBI. He's been terrific. You've got Tim Anderson as well. He is hitting .337 for the squad. He's got eight dingers, 25 RBI. Joan Moncada and Laurie Garcia at the top of the lineup. Both have very solid averages. Both these guys hitting in the realm of 280. I like what I'm seeing out of them. I know that Garcia is maybe more closer to a 275, but still doing a decent job there. Eloy Jimenez has picked it up with the bat. He had three home runs in that series against the Houston Astros. They're not getting much out of guys like Rondone, Yonder Alonso, and Wellington Castillo, but Charlie Tilson ever since he got called after the big leagues is hitting nearly 290 for this team as well and then you got like the fact that James McCann has been providing some power at the catcher spot and digging above 300. Meanwhile with the Minnesota Twins, it's just a who's who of who's all hitting for this team Jonathan Scope, Jorge Polanco Eddie Rosario, CJ Krohn, all these guys have a double digit amount of home runs. Miguel Sano has been off the injured list for less than two weeks he's already got five home runs You've got Williams Estadio, who's hitting right around 260 for this team. He's starting to come into his own. You now have a guy in CJ Crone who has really emerged for this team. I mean, now he has 13 home runs. He was a guy that was hitting below the Mendoza line a few weeks ago, and so was Marwan Gonzalez. They both really picked it up. This is a very impressive group, but with the Minnesota Twins, the bullpen has looked good recently, but you still have guys like Trevor Hildenberg and company that don't necessarily do the best job out there with the pen and Jake Odorizzi, I feel like, is due in for some regression because he has issued quite a few walks. 19 walks and 53 innings so far this year. He's got 52 punch outs, which is nice. 238 ERA, 106 whip, but I think that this is a spot where the White Sox are going to be able to get to him, so this is a spot where I'm going to take a massive plus price here with the Chicago White Sox. I'm also going to take this total under. I think that Kobe is able to give a couple solid innings and then from there the White Sox are able to pitch very well against the Minnesota Twins and I do think the Twins in general are doing for a little bit of regression. So I'm in wait and see mode on the under. Would like to get a little bit more even juice there and the public is continuing to bet the Twins. So I'm in wait and see mode there but I'm going to be on the White Sox and I'm going to be on the under. 967-968 on the back rotation. It is Boston Red Sox in Houston to face off against the Astros. Justin Verlander goes for the Strohs. Eduardo Rodriguez for the Boston Red Sox. Total in this game is 8.5 with the over anywhere between minus 110 and even juice. Unders between minus 110 and minus 120. If you like the Red Sox, you're going to get a very rare big plus price here. Anywhere between plus 167 and plus 170. Want to lay it here with the Strohs. That's anywhere between minus 185 and minus 190. I know that it is very rare that we get to see the Boston Red Sox at this big of a plus price but I think it shows with the pitching matchup. Justin Verlander has just been terrific this year. 8-1 record. two two four ERA. 0.73 whip. I will say this about Justin Verlander. He's given up 12 home runs at 71 and a third inning so far this year. That's high, but you know what else is high? The fact that he's got 89 punch outs and has only given up 36 hits in those 72 innings. A third of the hits that he's given up are one yard, but he's not allowing a lot of contact. Meanwhile, Mr. Rodriguez... He also has not necessarily done the best job of keeping the ball in the yard. 54 and two-thirds innings. He's given up seven home runs. 19 walks, does have 61 punch-outs himself, but a 5.43 ERA. And with the Red Sox, I do like the way that their bullpen has been pitching. Got guys like Marcus Weldon, Matt Barnes and company that have been doing the job, but the Houston Astros, with guys like Ozuna, Josh James and company, they've got the number one bullpen out there in the big leagues. So I do think that the Houston Astros are going to be able to pull out a little bit of a lower-scoring game. And the Astros themselves could turn this thing into maybe like a 5-1 to one six to one style game because they do have so many good bats out there. Josh Reddick hitting nearly three thirty for this team. We all know what George Springer is doing at this point. Going into Saturday, 43 RBI, 17 home runs, hitting nearly 310. He has been absolutely terrific. Michael Brantley has his average above 330. He actually got off to a little bit of a rough start. Now he's got 10 home runs. Carlos Correa hitting 290 with a double digit amount of home runs. You do have a couple guys in Tyler White and Max Sassi that need to pick it up a little bit, but even Aledmez Diaz, who's right now filling in for. Jose Altuve, he's hitting 270. He's got some pop in the bat. And then with the Boston Red Sox, you do have some guys that are doing a better job of hitting as well. JD Martinez wound up getting the day off yesterday. He's been in and out of the lineup, so you want to note that. And Jackie Bradley Jr. and Sandy Leon both hitting below the Mendoza line. But Mookie Betts has his average back above a two ninety. Mitch Moreland, though he's only hitting right around a two hundred thirty five ish. He's got thirteen home runs for this team. Andrew Benintendi seems to be a little bit cold, but he's still hitting two sixty. You've got Rafael Devers is hitting above three hundred. Michael. Chavis ever since getting called up to the big leagues has been hitting 270 with a double digit amount of home runs himself and Christian Vasquez hitting 300 as well so I do think that this is a spot where the Astros should be able to win and should be able to win by quite a bit. I'm right now seeing a run line price on the Astros of anywhere between even a plus 105. I'd we'll like to see if I'm able to get a little bit more. I do think that there's going to be a lot of people I've flocked to at Boston Red Sox plus price but I've already locked in this total under so going to be playing the run line at some point and I have already locked in the under in this game. 96 on the bag rotation. The Kansas City Royals playoffs to the New York Yankees. Danny Duffy goes for the Royals. Domingo Herman for the New York Yankees. The total on this game is 9.5. With the under anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115 juice. The over is between minus 110 and minus 105. If you like the Yankees, you're going to be laying minus 150 across the board. If you want to take a shot on the Royals, that's anywhere between plus 140 and plus 135. We talked about this in length with Jeff Nadeau, a.k.a. the big man on campus. The Yankees did have to go with a wholesale approach in the second game of their doubleheader. And for the Kansas City Royals, they've used their bullpen a lot. So you got to think that both these starters are going to be going very far. We went through just how good both these guys have been. Domingo Herman, 9-1. Whipple, low one. And then Danny Duffy, 3-4-5 ERA. And in his couple starts, he's been very good with a 3-1 record. And I will say this about the Kansas City Royals. They've got a couple guys at the top of the lineup that have been doing a very good job of hitting. They've also got some guys at the bottom of the lineup that are doing absolutely nothing. I do like whenever Terrence Gore is in the lineup. He's been hitting nearly 400, but that's very few and far between. And then you've got the other guys for the Kansas City Royals at the bottom of the lineup that are doing nothing. Cam Gallagher, Martin Maldonado, Ryan O'Hearn, Chris Owings. All these guys are hitting 210 or worse on the year. But then you do have a couple of guys at the top line up there doing a great job. Wood Merrifield hitting nearly a 300. Alex Gordon does a little bit of everything, hitting 290. He's got some home runs. Nicky Lopez, who's now seeing some time. He's hitting above 300 for this team. You got to like the way that Hunter Dozier has provided 10 home runs with an average just below 300. And you take a look at Ori Solaire. He's hitting right around 245, and he's provided 11 home runs as well. That's obviously been good for this team. But then you take a look at the New York Yankees. This is a team that is just absolutely mashing right now. Gary Sanchez and Luke Voigt, between the two of them, 28 home runs going into the second game of the doubleheader. DJ LeMayu hitting above 320 for this team. Gio Ursula is hitting in the realm of 333. Cameron Maben has seen a tip in his average. And Austin Romine hitting right around the Mendoza line. But Brett Gardner in recent days has really kicked it up. He now has seven home runs. He was hitting right around 200 about a week and a half ago. That's all the way up to a 240. Labor Torres has 12 home runs. He's hitting nearly 300 himself. Kendry's Morales is still having his woes with the bat. But Clint Frazier is providing some home runs as well. All in all, I think that this is a spot where the Yankees are going to get another great start out of Domingo Armand. I do think that Danny Duffy is going to be decent in this one as well, so I've already locked in this total under, but I'm looking at the Yankees on the run line here. Currently, I'm seeing the run line price right around even across the board. would we'll like to be able to get a plus price here before I lock it in, but I'm going to be on that along with the under. 971, 972 on the bagging rotation. The LA Angels play host to the Texas Rangers. Going on the bump for the first time this year for the Angels, Andrew Heaney. And for the Texas Rangers, Ariel Gerardo. The total on this game is nine. And the over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The under is between even juice and minus 105. If you like the Angels, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 155 and minus 160. Plus price here with the Rangers is anywhere between plus 143 and plus 146. This is just a lot to be laying for a guy that's making his first start of the year, and it's not like Andrew Heaney was the Mona Lisa Vito of pitching last year either. He had a 9-10 record. He had an ERA of a four one five. He's not necessarily awful. He doesn't give up a ton of hard contact in 180 innings. He gave up 27 home runs last year, so that's maybe a little bit high. And with the Texas Rangers, you've got a bunch of guys that are doing a great job of being able to match for this team. I really do like the way that Joey Gallo has come into his own this year. I don't think he's going to be able to keep up his 285 average, but he's got 15 home runs and 35 RBI going into Saturday's action. He's been terrific. You've also got quite a few guys that do a great job of being able to get on base. Sinchu Choo, Choo hitting 300. Danny Santana hitting right around 300. Same with Luke Forsyth. Elvis Andrews hitting at 325. 100 pence above a 310. Noah Mazzari is even hitting 250. You do have a couple guys that are struggling to get on as well. as Ezra Cabrera, Ronald Guzman, Jeff Mathis. All guys are hitting below 230. But with Cabrera, he's at least provided nine home runs. And then with the Angels, they're doing a better job with their Reds as well. Danny Fletcher... Tommy Lastella, both guys are hitting right around 300. We've noticed that Brandon Goodwin has taken a little bit of a dip in his average, but then you've got a couple guys that are a little bit famine as well. Zach Cozart, Lewis Rengifo and Cole Calhoun are all guys that are hitting 222 or worse. Joey Otani ever since he got into the lineup, only hitting about 240. Albert Pujols has provided eight home runs so far this year, but he's only hitting 230 himself. And then we all know Mike Trout is able to do. He's hitting just below 300 with a double-digit amount of home runs. And then Tommy Lasorda, obviously doing what he's doing. Average right around 312 home runs so far this year. But with Ariel Gerardo, I know he didn't necessarily have his best start when he got his lone start of the year earlier in the year when he went four and a third innings, but has a 208 ERA 1-1-5 1-1-5 one, one, whip in 17 and a third innings. He's only given up one home run and three walks. He's had some very good command for this team. With the Texas Rangers, they don't necessarily have the best bullpen. Jeffrey Springs is one of the very few guys that you're able to rely upon in the bullpen because you do have guys like Jose LeClerc and Jesse Chavez that have struggled so far this year, but I do think the Texas Rangers are going to be able to get to the LA Angels, and we've noticed that in the month of May, the Angels have a bottom 10 bullpen out there in the big leagues after it was so good at the beginning of the year. So for that reason, I think the Texas Rangers Rangers are going to be able to pull out a slugfest in this one. I'm in wait and see mode as to the number I'm going to be able to get on the Rangers. I'm noticing a little bit of steam coming in on the Angels, but have already locked in this total over. I do think that we're going to get a slugfest. I think the Rangers pull it out. 973 and 974 on the bank rotation. The Seattle Mariners are in Oakland to face off against the A's. Brett Anderson goes for the A's. Mike Leak for the Seattle Mariners. Total in this game is 9.5. The under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 110. The over anywhere between minus 110 and minus 105. If you're looking at the Seattle Mariners, plus price there is anywhere between plus 140 and plus 147. While to with the A's, that's anywhere between minus 150 and minus 157. Mike Leak has had a leak recently for this team in his last start against the Texas Rangers. Well, he did leak. I know, I know. I'm giving you guys a lot of bad jokes right now, but for the year, he's 3-5, and 473 ERA, and in 59 innings, 14 home runs given up. He's had good command. He's given up 11 walks, but man, that is a lot of home runs. Meanwhile, Brett Anderson has had the opposite problem. In 54 and a third innings, he's only allowed four home runs for the Oakland A's. He's done a very good job of being able to limit the hard contact. He has had a bit of a walks issue. He's issued 20 free passes and... This is not a swing and miss guy with Anderson. 28 strikeouts in 54 and a third innings, but 414 ERA, 136 whip, and there's really good news with the Oakland A's. They have DFA'd Fernando Rodney. You don't have to worry about him coming into games anymore. So that is actually a huge, huge thing if you're betting on the Oakland A's. You don't have to worry about that bum anymore. And with the Oakland A's, they are starting to get things going with the bats. Chris Davis has been in and out of the lineup so far this year. I noticed that he's been missing in the past couple games, but whenever he's in it, he's hitting about a 250, 12 home runs, 29 RBI. He missed yesterday's game, so I don't think that he's going to be in the lineup today. But Jeff Eagley has been hitting right around a 270 for this team, along with Marcus Simeon, both those guys getting the job done. Chad Pinder has been in a limited amount of at-bats this year due to being on the injured list. Hitting right around a 270 as well. Matt Chapman hitting 260. Matt Olson, ever since he's come off the injured list, has been providing some power himself. He's hitting right around 250. And then Chapman himself, 12 home runs so far this year. You got like that. Jerickson Profar hitting below the Mendoza line. And Robbie Grossman at a 212 is a bit of a woe, but Ramon Loreno has picked things up himself. He's only hitting at 250. And then Mark Kane is back in the lineup, and ever since coming off the injured list, he's been pretty good. And then for the Seattle Mariners. This is a very feast or famine team. Domingo Santana has been terrific for them. 10 home runs, 41 RBI. He's hitting 278. Kyle Seeger made his season debut yesterday. He's got two hits. That's obviously going to help them out. But then you've got Jay Bruce, who has a double-digit amount of home runs, only in 93. you You've got the same thing sort of going with Mitch Hanniger, Daniel Vogelbach, and Edwin Encarnacion. All these guys have a bunch of home runs, but Encarnacion hitting 243, Vogelbach 252, and Mitch Haniger two. 33. Omar Navares really is the best guy other than D. Gordon in regards to average. Hitting a 295 to go with 8 home runs for the team has been very nice, but This is a Seattle Mariners team that we've noticed really come back to earth with the bats. They've got one of the worst bullpen ERAs out there in the big leagues and Mike Leak. I just have a feeling he's going to get pounded in this one, but I do think that the A's are going to get a very good start out of Brad Anderson. I think he's going to be able to keep the ball in the yard, and then he's backed up by a bullpen that no longer has Fernando Rodney, and aside from Rodney, this bullpen has been pretty solid. So I've already locked in the under on this game, and I'm looking at the A's on the run line here. Currently seeing a plus price anywhere between plus 110 and plus 115. I'd like to see if I'm able to get a little bit more so I'm in wait and see mode there, but I've already locked in the under on this game. 975-976 on the betting rotation. The Toronto Blue Jays play host to the San Diego Padres. Chris Paddock goes for the Padres. Marcus Stroman for the Toronto Blue Jays. If you like the pods, that's anywhere between minus 127 and minus 130. Plus price here on the Blue Jays, anywhere between plus 117 and plus 120. Twelve in this game is 8. The over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. Juicy under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 105. And I have absolutely no idea why Steam is coming in on the over and the Toronto Blue Jays. This is befuddling to me. Chris Paddock has been lights out for the San Diego Padres this year. And I know that Marcus Stroman has been good himself. He's much better than his 2-6 record would indicate. 2.81 ERA, one three, four whip at 64 innings. He's only given up four home runs. He has a walks issue, though. He's given up 25 of them. Meanwhile, Chris Paddock, 4-2 record, 193 RA, 076 whip, and 51 and a third innings. He's only given up 11 walks and four home runs. This guy looks like the rookie of the year out there in the NL. He has been fantastic, and then he's backed up by a lineup that is a little bit feast or famine, but. He's going up against the Toronto Blue Jays team that for the year hitting just 215, which makes the fact that this team is hitting right around 235 ish a little bit better. Eric Hosmer has been doing a great job recently 292 average, eight home runs, 30 RBI. And then Femi Reyes has been hitting a whole bunch of solo shots 15 home runs so far this year for him. He's got just under 30 RBI, but he's been doing a terrific job of a little bit of everything, and they, the Padres hung 19 runs on the board yesterday with him getting a day off. That tells you right where this team is at. Ian Kinsler was able to hit a home run yesterday. That, you got to think, has got to get him going. He's been hitting below the Mendoza line, so that was huge. Will Myers had been in a big slump. He had two home runs yesterday for nine on the year. He's only hitting two thirty-two. We know that Ty France now has his average up to a two twenty-two. He was able to get things going. Let's put it to you this way: Everyone was hitting for the San Diego Padres yesterday. Hunter Renfro has his home run total up to 14. He's hitting a 250 for the team. Manny Machado now hitting 267. I think that he's one of the few guys that didn't hit a home run for the team yesterday. I mean, it was absolutely befuddling. And then with the Toronto Blue Jays, Flaherty Jr. is only hitting a 222. It is nice that he's got now five home runs, but. He just hasn't been doing a lot for this team. Justin Smoke hitting three home runs in the last six days is good for this team. He now is nine on the year, but he's only hitting 220 himself. Freddie Galvis was able to hit a home run a couple of days ago. He's hitting 270. And Rowdy Telez has nine diggers to go with his 243 average. But the whole catcher spot in general for this team has been really bad. I will say that calling up Craig, that calling up Caven Biggio is very interesting. He made a season debut yesterday going over for 3. But then you've got other guys that are just not really living up to their expectations, too, like Jonathan Davis. He's only hitting a 1-1-4 for this team. Randall Gritchick hitting two thirty two. This is a spot where I think that the San Diego Padres should be able to win this one. I think that the Blue Jays are going to be able to get a quality start out of Marcus Stroman. I've noticed that the bullpen has come back to earth a little bit for this team, but I do think that this is going to be a lower-scoring game because I think that Chris Paddock Delivers another gem. I have already locked in the San Diego Padres as a play. Currently Wayne C-Mode on the under since for some reason unbeknownst to me there's money coming in on the over. But I have already locked in the Padres and I will be on this total under. 977-978 on the bag rotation. The Detroit Tigers are in New York to face off against the Metropolitans. Zach Wheeler goes for the Mets. Spencer Turnbull for the Detroit Tigers. Total in this game is between 7.5 and, and 8. If you like the 7.5, the over is anywhere between minus 115, minus 125 juice. The under anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105. On the 8s, the over is anywhere between minus 110 and even. The under is anywhere between minus 120 and minus 110. If you're taking a look at the Tigers, that is a plus 165 price across the board. And the Mets are laying anywhere between minus 180 and minus 185. Zach Wheeler has had some very, very... Tumultuous stretches so far this year. There are some starts where he looks absolutely terrific, and there are some where he does not look good at all. And Spencer Turnbull is actually a guy that I like. He's much better than his two and three record would indicate. Now he's been the victim of giving up some unearned runs, including that grand slam against the Oakland A's last week. But in 53 and two thirds innings, he's only given up five home runs. The 22 walks a little bit of an issue, but he's got 54 punch outs. 268 ERA to go with a 1-3 whip. And then Zach Wheeler, 474 ERA, 137 whip. He's given up 6 home runs in 62 and 2 thirds innings, so he's limited the hard contact there, but he's also given up quite a few free passes with 23 of them. And this is a Detroit Tigers team that seems to be starting to finally find its own with this team. Ronnie Rodriguez has been a good find. He's hitting right around 250. He leads the team with 6 home runs, which saying that he leads the team with 6 home runs is still a little bit sad. Miguel Cabrera Finally, got his second home run of the year a few days ago, so that's been good. He's hitting nearly 300 for this team. That has obviously been much needed for them because with the Detroit Tigers, you've got a bunch of guys that have a bunch of lowly averages right now. Grayson Griner, Josh Harrison. Jacoby Jones, all hitting below the Mendoza line. Nico Goodrum is hitting just a 213. I will say that Dewin Lugo, I hope I'm saying his name correctly, hitting a 270 is nice. Nick Cassianos hitting in the neighborhood of a 265 has been great. Jameer Candelario was just a massive disappointment. He's been out of the lineup for the past couple weeks. He was hitting below the Mendoza line before then. Christian Stewart is only hitting a 210. But they do have Spencer Turnbull, who I think is going to be able to deliver a good start. And they've been hitting against the Mets. The Mets. I've been having their guys like Drew Gagnon and... Robbie Gizelman really failed them out there in the bullpen. And it has been one of those situations where Zach Wheeler has been very hittable. And the Mets themselves have had some woes with the bats so far this year. And Mid Rosario is now hitting right around 253. JD Davis more in the realm of 275. Pete Alonso certainly getting the job done. But even his average has dipped to a 250. Now you're able to make up for it when you're hitting for 17 home runs. That obviously is going to help things out. But Wilson Ramos hitting a 270 is terrific. And then you've got just a couple other guys like Carlos Gomez that are not necessarily getting the job done. Todd Frazier hitting just above 200 himself. And with the New York Mets, they really had to burn through just about everyone in the bullpen yesterday with that long extra inning game. So you got to feel like some of these guys are going to be tired. And then They just haven't really gotten a lot out of Hechevarria and Aaron Althea their recent pickups. And this is a spot where I do think that the Detroit Tigers seem to be starting to come around with the bats a little bit. I do think that they're going to be able to get a very good start out of Spencer Turnbull and they save essentially the best guys like Shane Green and company for this game. So for that reason, I am going to be taking the plus price here with the Detroit Tigers, and I'm looking at this total over as well. Right now with the over, I'm right now trying to see if I'm able to get more minus 110 juice, and I'm noticing money coming in on the Mets as well. So going to be playing both of those, and we wrap things up with 979, 980 on the bank rotation. The Colorado Rockies playoffs to the Baltimore Orioles. David Hess goes for the Baltimore Orioles. Herman Marquez for the Colorado Rockies. Drawing this game is anywhere between 11.5 and 12. If you like the 11.5, that total is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The 12 comes with juice of minus 110 both ways. And the under on 11.5, anywhere between even and minus 110 as well. If you like the Baltimore Orioles, the plus price here, anywhere between plus one between plus 230 and plus 245. Wanna late here with the Rockies. That's anywhere between minus 290 and minus 270. And there's a reason why you're getting a big plus price here with the Baltimore Orioles. It's because our good buddy David Hess has, has been giving up a lot of home runs, and now he's at altitude in Colorado. This is a gentleman that for the year, oh boy, he has given up 16 home runs in 45 and a third innings, 675 ERA, one for one whip. Herman Marquez, though. He's given up eight home runs in 72 innings. I mean, obviously, it's no comparison. 3-3 ADRA, 1-1-1 whip with Herman Marquez, but you've got a Baltimore Orioles team that's able to hit. Trey Bumum Mancini going into Saturday, hitting 300, 11 home runs. Renato Nunez, 11 dingers himself. He's hitting right around two. 30, you've got Dwight Smith Jr. who's been able to give this team a 280 average. He's been hitting some dingers. I know that Jonathan VR and Stevie Wilkerson are not hitting at the same average as they did at the beginning of the year. Both these guys hitting just south of 250, but Hanser Alberto hitting above 300 for this team. Pedro Severino providing something at the catcher, responding And Ever since Keon Broxley got called up to the big leagues, he's been doing a terrific job as well. He was on the injured list. He was able to hit home run a couple days ago. And with the Colorado Rockies, you know that this team is able to hit. I know that Daniel Murphy has not really come around with the bat yet, but he was able to hit a couple dangers. Ian Desmond seems to be picking things up with his 225 average. We all know what Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story are doing. Trevor Story hitting 275, double digit amount of home runs. Nolan Arenado going into Saturday, 325 average, 13 home runs, 37 RBI. Remy Eltapia hitting 285. David Dahl just above 300. You've got Rogers at the second base spot is hitting above 300. Tony Walters is hitting at 290. So you've got a pair of teams that are doing a terrific job job of inning, So for that reason, I am on this over. And seeing as though it's getting seamed right now, I'll be right back because I'm going to fire in on this over. But I'm going to be taking a plus price here with Baltimore Orioles. There's going to be nobody in the public that's going to be betting on the Baltimore Orioles, so I'm going to wait and see here, see what kind of a plus price I'm going to get, but I'm going to take a shot here. I know that the Orioles have a little bit of a lackluster bullpen, but I think that they're going to be able to out-hit the Colorado Rockies in what is going to be a massive slugfest, so on the Orioles and the over. And that'll do it for the Sunday edition of MLB Overtime Betting. A big thanks to our man Jeff Nadu, a.k.a. the big man on campus, for joining me in the last segment. And if you ever have a question for the podcast, feel free to tweet it in at our. Unit- underscore 81 you can subscribe to this fine podcast on apple itunes google play spotify and stitcher and let's make today a successful profitable and fun one and i'll talk to you guys once again tomorrow thank you so much for tuning in